This year's donations might go to, say, the geology department. Oh dear, not the dirt people. Geology is the study of pressure and time. That's all it takes, really. What kind of activity has turned the lake massive? Look, I'm just a geologist. I like rocks. I love rocks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Geology Flannelcast. My name is Steve. Hey there, everybody. This is Chris. Good evening. This is Jesse. That was awesome. I Thanks. loved it. Yeah. I, maybe we should always do this on this we, night, not our we normal. Should. Yeah. I, I've got the energy. Let's do it up. All right. I think uh, Chris is into that. Yeah. So today is August 6th. So I want to give a shout out to my daughter and say happy birthday to my daughter. Oh, I, I asked her to do a uh, the intro for me today. She said, yeah, here's your intro. Uh, welcome to the geology flannel cast. I got to go because it's my daughter's birthday. <laughs> did she really? <laughs> she did. I said, okay, well, no, he can't wow. do it then. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. you're off script. That doesn't... <laughs> <laughs> She's a little harsh. Yeah. But hello. Welcome, everybody. Yeah. Howdy. This is this is great. This is a little. I mean, y- you all get it the normal day and time, right? We're not going to release this early. I don't know, but it's a bonus for us because we're doing it. I'm I'm lifting the curtain here. I'm breaking the fourth wall, third wall. I don't know. We're we're not doing this on our normal night, so yeah, got two in a week this week. Well, we took last week off, so yeah, yeah. my bad. Uh, yeah, bad internet connection. So, what are you gonna do? <laughs> Start using that excuse more often. <laughs> You're breaking up. I can't hear you. <laughs> Going through a tunnel. <laughs> you're in your basement. Uh, we can see where you're at. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Uh, it was really funny. It's just I'm in a motorhome. Sorry. Going through a tunnel, like certain things, you know, don't necessarily make sense to, to especially younger folks. My my kids have a little. Uh, it's like a kids Kindle or kids fire tablet whatever mm-hmm. and the uh william took it in the car and we're driving somewhere and he's like it's not the internet's not working it's not connecting to anything and i was like yeah we're in a car but we're driving he's like why where's the internet turn the internet on it's like it doesn't work like that it doesn't, oh. you know? no i i have a big parent fail too this was uh uh january January, February, 2020. So pre pandemic. And uh, we were switching from one internet provider to another. And we had to go legit like six days without internet or cable. How did you get through? Uh, yeah. Jeez. So uh, to turn into the Donner party, you know, day, day one, we're, you know, it's fine. Day two. I was like, you know what? Let's listen to the Sixers game on the radio. And so I, <laughs> I put the Sixers game on the radio and this is my big parenting film. My kids were like, you told us we didn't have internet. How can we be listening to the Sixers if we didn't have internet? I'm like, oh my God. Your no. kids didn't it's know what the, radio was? No, they knew what radio was, but they assumed radio was the internet. Like they thought like radio waves were internet provided or whatever. I was like, no, this is coming through over the airwaves. Wow. Like, yeah. Like if we're in a car and we're listening to a Phillies game, that's not the internet. That's just, uh, yeah. So, wow. Well, our topic today, uh, to change, change gears a bit. 
We got a listener question 6.0 today. I think that's right. This is the sixth installment of listener questions, Steve. Well, hang on. We talked about was, this the other day. I think we did. I, think I thought it was seven. Anyways, I don't well, know. it might be 6.5. I feel like we did two back to back. Let's just count that as one. Well, all right. We I'll take it. that. All the uh, all the listener questions have been uh, piling up, and we're. No, you're right. It is 6.0. Sorry. Listener questions 4.0 was 2016. Uh, Listener questions, uh, I guess, 5.0 would have been in April of 2020. I think this is episode 103, I believe. I believe it is. Yeah. I think so. 103. Really appreciate these questions. There's some good ones here. So there are some uh, questions that are too good. If we don't get to all of them. If we don't get to all of them tonight, we did see them. Got a bunch. We, yes. We should be more regular about answering these. So I do appreciate it. Yeah. And we and we did give a little bit of a caveat on our last podcast saying like, hey, if you're if you're overly specific, give us some uh, context. Give us like, you know, I tripped over this rock and it looked really cool. What kind of rock is it? Send us a picture. You know, send us some context. Where are you? Where did you trip on that rock? Send us the rock. Cool. Yeah. People start mailing us rocks. I'd be excited. Unless it's like Hawaiian rocks and that's like super bad luck. Yeah. Yeah, We don't don't want the Hawaiian rocks. Do not send us rocks from Hawaii. Yeah. And really any volcano. I feel like. I'll take them. Bring them on. Oof. (laughs) Now you got to be careful because I've also heard about people accidentally like getting rocks. They don't know where they're from. And kind of radioactive sometimes so <laughs> just uh yeah it's just or it's got fun stuff like arsenic in it so. i was gonna say you know, lead arsenic yeah you know uh, we don't want your rocks we just what, what are you mind. doing with these rocks I, I the first thing i do is lick it <laughs> i want to know if is it real rock or is it rock candy i'll tell you oh, this. We, we did talk about this a little bit chart. uh before the podcast with our patreons uh so yes our our patreons get to some some tiers of our patreons get to listen in and hang out with us prior to our podcast. So I, I was telling a story about how I had a bunch of three-year-olds licking rocks, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you have a geology question and you'd like us to tackle it on the podcast, uh, you can go to geologyflinalcast.com and uh, there's a link under there called listener questions and you can send us your listener questions and we'll get to it eventually. Um, so <laughs> uh yeah we'll figure figure so, a way to yeah send us some it. awesome questions we love them um yeah and honestly some of these questions are like hard difficult that are going to need a little more attention possibly even their own episode however we will at least mention them today so which one uh you guys want to start off with this uh with this first one Let's yes. m- might as well start with number one. All they're, right. B- Byron from California. They're not, they're not numbered though. They're not, but well, I'm just, just going to, you want me to number them? No, no, no. Huh? I can change our outline that has been formatted. It's huh? It w- yeah. We could make this look better. We could, if we use the formatting formula www.formatticformula.com who is a wonderful sponsor of this podcast 
Thank you very much. Or YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula. Uh, check them out for all your word document formatting needs. Um, anything from, you know, just helping you fix something you, you, you don't know how to fix to uh, figuring out appendices or um, I don't know, anything. Check them out. Formattingformula.com. They, they, they help me out all the time, like table of contents where you just like click on the table of contents and zoop, zips you right to where you're, where you're working on in word. Um, they can even like, you know, the header that's up the top, that is not static. Like they can actually customize that header to, for the things that you use all the time. So if you're a business and you constantly use this, that, or the other thing, they can actually customize that toolbar up at the top and make it work better for you, make it more efficient for you. So check them out, formattingformula.com or YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula. Subscribe to them. Uh, and most importantly, make sure you let them know the geology flannel casting. So that was a nice little segue. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. All right. So Dad, what, start off with the first one. Yeah. Byron from California. IA. Um, I'm having trouble understanding how manganese ore bodies formed in the Franciscan assemblage in California and hope you might be able to shed some light on this for me. Where did the manganese come from? Where are, why are these ore bodies associated with chert? What role did metamorphosis play in this formation of these manganese deposits and the chert associated with them? Thanks for taking time to answer my questions. Well, thank you. Byron for asking the questions. Uh, we have speculative answers. We don't have definitive answers. Correct. So, yeah, the first thing, every episode we do. <laughs> uh, That's a good point. <laughs> so I know I know enough about the the Franciscan complex to to get myself in trouble. I'm not Perfect. by any means an expert in it. Perfect. But uh, let's see. I guess we can just go over some. Uh, some basic, basic details. It's, uh, uh, it's, uh, it, it used to be there at the, uh, during the Mesozoic era, there used to be a subduction zone there. And it's kind of like this, like melange or, um, you know, some, just all the, just kind of all the stuff that kind of got yeah, pushed do, in with that. What subduction do we call zone. exotic terrain? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and it's, it's, um, a real, it took a while for geologists to kind of figure this out. Uh, all, California's got some crazy, crazy geology going on there. And the first thing that I thought of without really knowing too, too much about these, about the manganese you're talking about in there, is that I'm wondering if it's uh, some kind of remnants of manganese nodules that you see at the bottom of the ocean floor. And so these are these, you know, they're, they're kind of like... A, most of them are about the size of like chicken eggs and they're just kind of scattered all throughout the ocean floor. Um, and it's, it's got, a, um, you know, it's, it's just these nodules of metal, like I said, manganese, and they've been a topic of interest for, for decades now in concerns of, uh, of mining these things. Cause there's, yeah. you know, there's a lot of money and, and this stuff is just kind of scattered all over the ocean floor. Some's on the surface. Some's like a little bit, um, 
you know, so, some of these nodules are buried, but it's pretty, some of these areas have some pretty high concentrations of these nodules. Have you heard of the Howard Hughes story? Oh my God. That's an incredible story. Of which, which one? The Howard Hughes uh, built a ship that was the, the purpose of the ship was to mine these manganese nodules off the bottom of the ocean floor. Well, so how, well, so that was the guys. Yeah. How, Howard Hughes was this like multimillionaire, like eccentric uh, person, aviator. You know, if you've seen the Leonardo DiCaprio movie, just just an exceptional dude slash wacko. Um, and the U.S. government came to him because there was a missing submarine and a submarine had essentially gone missing on the bottom of the ocean floor. It was, was it a Russian? It was submarine? a Soviet. Yeah. yeah. Was, yeah. Soviet. Sorry. A nuclear sub. No, it was diesel. I think it wasn't nuclear. It was. Yeah. Diesel. So, the, the, and this was a while ago, I want to say in the fifties or sixties. And yeah. uh, so the, the U S government asked him to, could he build a ship that could salvage the wreck off the bottom of the Pacific ocean? But there, the guise was that he was actually going to mine manganese nodules off the bottom of the ocean, not actually try to find Soviet subs. So interesting story about how the viability of these manganese nodules ha has been, you know, food for thought for at least the last yeah. 70 years. Yeah. It was uh, just a side note on the story. The, the new the sub it wasn't nuclear power but it had nuclear missiles on it oh okay and it and they wanted the code books as well so they the ship was actually going to pull the entire submarine up off the sea floor which is like really incredible and, yeah impre and uh <clears throat> they got part of it and as they're bringing up bringing it up it broke in half and part of it fell down they didn't get the good stuff they were looking for but isn't that where the term we cannot confirm nor deny this? Oh, came yeah, from? I, think I think it is. Yes. Right. Yes. His ship was called the Glomar Explorer. Yes. Uh, so, uh, um, but should we talk about, well, where the manganese comes from? It's a great mystery. <laughs> I, I like how you said that. Make it sound. We're really. We're, well, every day we get close. At, like. The bottom, we're talking like the abyssal plain, like yeah, yeah. so the deepest of the deep in the Pacific Ocean. Every day we get closer Ocean. to this being a conspiracy theory podcast. Um, <laughs> it's a great mystery. There's so Sasquatch you, turds. You do find it, it does occur in seawater, but it's really low, it's like less than a part per million. So there's some idea that it, you know, you're getting it precipitating either through like microbial action precipitating it out you do they find it it's like nucleate there's like a, some type of nucleus they like like uh, yeah, it is almost like a, something like that like It'll an start. onion layer or something yeah, yeah. it's yeah. almost so, like reminds me of like a, like a metal ooid but there's minus the swashing around yeah you get um you get a, some with sometimes with other trace metals um uh you get inner it's almost inner layered like a clay in, in at times too just at the microscopic level you also find it at um you you definitely get it forming at hydrothermal vents yeah and that, that's that's what i was thinking more of this yeah. uh exotic terrain this melange of stuff accreting onto california i was thinking more of 
hydrothermal yeah, type it, situation. It's, it's it's slightly metamorphosed. But but you do get them in these nodules. Like I mean, chert. We have a better understanding of how it forms. You know, siliceous material. These organisms that have um, you know silica skeletons or or shells or whatnot get buried and that that material becomes soluble or not not necessarily soluble but you know it, it gets squished together and you get these chert either layers or chert beds or uh nodules but yeah manganese is sort of interesting so it grows the stuff grows like super slowly yeah that's and what i've that, always do you know what the estimates are like no. like like Millions of years for one centimeter of growth. Millions. I got that kind of time. Nope. And so there's, if you could figure out how to mine this stuff, you'd be rich, but there's all sorts of these treaties about mining things in the middle of the middle of the ocean. Yeah. There's there's a number of issues. Yeah. Yeah, Like they don't want people mining like black smokers or things like that because they, they have and, a ton of rare earth minerals and and i'd imagine the way that they mine them you'd just be basically just dredging it up yeah just and destroying so it. just yeah. yeah so he also asks or, or yeah they also ask i don't know byron yeah byron. that's um, true we should we should start put asking what their pronoun are yeah. is his pronoun are <laughs> they they also ask what role does metamorphosis Meta, uh, are they metamorphic? And I don't, I don't know what manganese does. Like especially like you said, a subduction zone. I don't think metamorphism plays a role in their formation, right? Uh, again, unless there's like heated fluid like coming through that would yeah. accumulate the manganese. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, you metasomatism. Huh? Metasomatism. <laughs> Meta chemistry. It's semantics. <laughs> Anywho. All right. So Byron, we did not answer your question very well. <laughs> moving on. But we are oh, we moving kind of painted the picture of the background. I, you know, we yeah. did. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, you find them concentrated at, at black smokers. They're coming out as hydrothermal deposits, which sort of makes sense, right? That you're going to, in hot water, manganese is soluble. But these nodules, and especially in the Franciscan formation, Franciscan formation might be, you know, black smokers that just get chewed up. But I'm, I'm thinking it's just you're concentrating. You sit at the seafloor a long time. You know, think about the Atlantic Ocean. It's at the edges, you know, you've been sitting there 200 million years. Mm-hmm. That's a long time for manganese to. But why does it, why does it clump up? Why do you get a nodule? That's the great question there's, I don't there's know. a couple hypotheses yeah. on why they i remember having I, that uh question for a low temp uh uh master's level geochemistry class and the answer was i don't know <laughs> essentially but i feel like that was that was like the first class i had as a grad student i remember seeing i remember thinking the franciscan formation specifically this question and I remember being like, I think I BS something about the oxidation state of manganese. It was the first time when he was like, this is a terrible answer. So essentially just got 
first time I think I was yelled at <laughs> yeah. for a bad answer. I'm glad we're not graded on this podcast. <laughs> Let's put it that way. All right. Yeah, we, so, we get nothing but A's. What are you talking about? True. Uh, all right. So we are, we're moving on to our next question from Greg from Camas, Utah. Camas. Camas. K-A-M-A-S. Yeah. Camas. Camas. Yeah, it's Cam. It's Utah. They're not going to put put emphasis on that last syllable. Syllable. Yeah. Uh, so this is, again, about an upheaval dome in southern Utah. Which I think we talked about on Wednesday. We did. If you're a Patreon, for the Patreon exclusive. Ah. Talk about All right. So, Greg, just... Uh, shell out some money and you can hear the answer. No, but it's just funny. Like just, just randomly this, this is the second time this came up on the podcast in, in two weeks. So that's pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. So he, uh, Great question. He, read, he read an article claiming that there was shock quartz that has been found in the upheaval dome in Southern Utah. Uh, when he was studying geology at UVU. What's UVU? University. Um, anyway, around I twenty. Wrong. At first, I thought it was UVW. I was like University of West Virginia. Yeah, we learned that this uh, Utah Valley, site Utah was, Valley University. There you go. Was an eroded salt dome. Thoughts. Mm. Uh, by the way, I just finished listening to all your podcasts. Yes, all one hundred. Keep up the good work. Thank nice. you, Greg. Yeah. Thank you. Oh very man, much, number one fan. Very good right? words. Thank uh, you. No offense to. All, all of our fans are number one in my heart. That is true. <laughs> um, unless you badmouth us, then you're dead to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there are some fans that are dead to us. So don't... <laughs> Just joking. Now, how old is the upheaval dome in southern Utah? So upheaval dome, is that part of the paradox basin that we were talking yeah, about? Yeah, yes. yeah, that's what we, yeah. So it's is it Mesozoic? Did we come up with? I think it's Mesozoic. Um, shoot, I. So I guess the question is, could it could it be? I mean, you can get like there was there's shock quartz in New Jersey from the Chicxulub impact. In in, Uh, it's not been published, but people have claimed that they found it at the KT boundary as far away as New Jersey. Yeah. So I'm trying to, I mean, you get a lot of stuff that gets, uh, you get a lot of ejecta from these things. Right. So just because. And Utah, let's face it, is like a sedimentary basin. Like it just, it's collecting stuff. Yeah. So, oh, so this has not Mesozoic. This is um, three. I'm looking at 300 million. Yeah. So, what was that? Pennsylvania, Carboniferous, Pennsylvania, Mississippi, and um, our Patreon Sam here does point out a good that Darwin, friend of the podcast, is actually dead. So <laughs> there is, uh, yeah. So I mean, you wouldn't get shocked quartz, obviously, with um, uh, 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 salt salt dome because it's just the buoyancy of the salt that's pushing up on those stratigraphic layers right so you're, you're not creating temperature or pressure there you're just sort of pushing yeah, yeah. You're, you're getting you have that stress 
but you're not like deforming it or, I mean, you get some folding, but you're not creating the temperature, the temperature and pressure to create shocked quartz. The only thing we know that creates those pressures specifically are impact events. Yes. And that's one of the things about shocked quartz. So I don't, you know, it's, it's either from a prior impact that we do or don't know about in that area, but it's not, I don't think from the dome itself. Plus, you know, if you do have an impact and like we said with Chesapeake Bay, you can get sort of like a, the rim of the crater, but ultimately you wouldn't necessarily get an uplift dome, maybe in the very center of a complex crater. So we should also say that, um, you For people that aren't aware of this uplift dome, it's in Canyonlands National Park. And in yeah, Utah. In Utah, yeah. Yeah. So I think people are uh, people are kind of leaning more towards the, the crater theory, the impact theory, but it doesn't seem like there's anything um you know impactful. Impactful or set in stone. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. Uh, yeah, there's dad joke number one. Carry on. So, oh, number two. Uh, apparently, dad joke number two, according to our Patreon. So I don't know what number one was. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just ignore him now. I don't even know. <laughs> Second nature for this Do you podcast. Know? Oh, here's, you know? a, here's a paper from geology. Um, and the title says everything upheaval dome, Utah, USA impact origin confirmed. What? What years? What years? 2008 here. I'll send you the link from geology, from geology. Yeah. Shoo. Geologic journal. Color me wrong. So there's that. The plot thickens. Got me good. But there are a lot of salt domes in that area. I can attest. Yeah. Indubitably. So there you go, Greg. Impacts, impacts, impacts. We document in the study, we document for the first time shocked quartz in from this crater in sandstone. So I don't, maybe I just don't understand upheaval dome enough to, I do want to see if there's any rebuttal to this um, article. Interesting. It had, uh, we talked about this last week, this term, uh, let's see in the, in the abstract here, it says it had been interpreted as a crypto volcanic feature. Ah, but if they're finding shock quartz is not volcanic. Yeah. Uh, So people originally thought that it was crypto volcanic, which we don't really know what that means. Secret, (laughs) secret volcano. Uh, A salt diaper. It's basically a giant, column of salt underground a pinched off salt diaper well it's kind of similar uh or an eroded impact crater so there you go um huh. looks like an oh an eroded that makes sense all right um yeah so. shall we move on sure <sighs> does that answer i guess that, that answers jesse the, jesse I mean, says nobody no. really knows the answer to your question i guess yeah. so whatever one but uh apparently there's some um, some stuff coming out with the shock courts and, and kind of pointing, potentially pointing towards the impact crater. But Greg, great question. Love it. Yeah. Huh. All right. Well, we're going to keep an eye on this one. We're going to figure this out. 
All right. Next question. Linda. Uh, we're going to need some new Patreon so we can charter a plane to go to Utah. I only fly charter planes. I was going to say, are we <laughs> chartering here? Well, Jesse only takes trains, so it's going to take oh, him a true. long that's time true. to get out to Utah. Yeah, he's like the John Madden of geology. Yeah. He doesn't fly. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, all sorry. Right. So next question. Linda. Linda. Question. Linda N. from somewhere. Um, oh, true. She doesn't list her location. Anyway. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, she's in the witness protection program. Linda yeah. wants to know. Why do rocks seem to percolate up through the soil in fields and in lakes? So there's a couple different answers for this. Yeah, I have an answer. I've got so an, answer got an answer too. I, I all got an answer. Who wants to go first? You go first. All right. Uh, Linda, perhaps what's happening is maybe the rocks aren't percolating up, but the soil and sediments above it are being eroded away. And the that, rocks are just kind of collecting there. That could be. It's, it's it's been sitting there, and just whatever was above it is eroding down, and it's just kind of what, what's what's left over as as the surface erodes down is one possible answer. Now, Linda, coming from me, who lives in the Northeast, where yes. stuff gets cold, they have what's called cryoturbation, where when the soil freezes, you know, it essentially squishes some rocks up and every freeze thaw cycle it'll squish some rocks up and they call this cryoturbation and that's why a lot of farm fields um you know uh, even just yards like sometimes you just get a rock at the surface and sometimes this is from they call cryoturbation where the the rocks are essentially getting squeezed up out of the soil um so this this can happen a lot in the northern hemisphere, the northern part of the northern hemisphere, let's put it that way. So, or you, Jesse. Well, so I was thinking two things. One is sort of um, like cryoturbation. If sometimes, if the soil gets wet enough, you know, you can you can start making things. I don't know, buoyant and and squirting things up. Or sometimes, what what we see. Uh, is is what's called a stone line which is where you get rocks that get deposited on top of the soil and then you get another soil forming on top of it and those two soils um <clears throat> that that uh, the the bottom soil and the newly forming top soil start to merge together and form what's called a um a compound soil and so it looks like a singular soil with this line of, of rocks coming through it, but it's actually, it's a marker telling you that there was this period where, where something else happened, like a flood or something like that. I've, mm. We've definitely seen stone lines before. And, and telling you just from anecdotal evidence of putting in footers for my deck, I had to dig 14 holes, one foot diameter down to 48 inches. And I hit a line of stones at 36 inches in every single one of those holes. Some of the stones were just like, you know, <laughs> like fist size. Some of them were about the size of, you know, basketballs. And it sucked. So what about. Uh, there's a there's a bunch of answers for this, why this could be happening. <laughs> but 
I'm thinking also like um, like glacial settings, like erratics, and I guess maybe not a like yeah, kind of like glacial erratics. But she's the saying they're percolating up through the soil. Well, what, that, that's well, what Steve, led me to cryo turbation. You just well, you were just at uh, Boulder Field. Yes. Oh yeah. And that's kind of kind of what I'm thinking, like glacially derived. Yeah, uh, they're still yeah. not even 100 percent sure if it was really glacially derived there. It's well, it's freeze thaw. It's like frost wedging where the cliff is collapsing. The the layer of overriding um, resistant rock is collapsing downward. It's not the glacier itself that caused it because the glacier didn't make it down that far. Oh, you're right. You don't. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Steve, didn't you read the plaque? You always read. I, the plaque. I did read the plaque, but and then it said like, but they're not really sure. Oh, is it another mystery? Mm, I think it's Sasquatch again. I was going to say Mothman. Oh, all right. Here messing with us. So, Linda, I hope we, uh, you know, brought this to your attention. (laughs) Again, about um, conspiracy theories real fast. I was talking on the phone with my grandmother and I was so proud of her. She said she watched a documentary on PBS about the origins of the Jersey Devil. Ooh, nice. And you know what? Uh, so, do you know the origins of the Jersey Devil goes back to the 1700s? Really? Yes. I didn't and know that. I did not know that. It's potentially what they think it was um, like one, uh, like a big crane, like the bird, not like a construction crane. <laughs> but they think it was just kind of like a big crane flying through. They're putting in a 17 a cell tower in the 1700s. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Big high rise condos. <laughs> he dug so fast and he dug so well. He couldn't get himself out of the hole. Anybody? No. Children's story? No. I don't know. Anyway. I forget what that story's called now. It's about a steam engine. Oh, oh. The, the crane, the st- the crane that was John Henry? You're not are you doing John Henry? No, not John Henry. Man, this is gonna kill me. But anyway. There's a steam engine, and you know, he's basically going out of business because everything is moving away from steam engines. So then, you know, there's a bet like he finally finds some suburban town in New York and, you know, you can't dig this faster than, than we can by hand. And, and, but he dug the hole so fast and so well that he was Stanley. Thank you. So it's like the reverse John Henry. Kind of. So he he dug it so fast and so well, but then he was down at the bottom. Of the, like he had to dig it by sundown and he did, but now he's down at the bottom of the hole and he can't get out. So then he decided to build the town hall over him and make Allison him the chains wrote a song about being down in a hole, make him the heating system for the new building. Oh, I do know this story. If he's the engine, there's not a guy down there. Right. They didn't just brick over and, and entomb him. No, no. The other guy w- became like the maintenance guy. Yeah. Anyway, it, it's the it's the town. Um, <clears throat> it's the big town secret. No one talks about the body under City Hall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Sasquatch. Plowing <laughs> uh, through. Um, so the next one comes from. Um, the admiral himself, uh, David Robinson. Ooh. I was just thinking that. Yeah. 
I, uh, for I, those of you under under 35, the Admiral David Robinson was a Hall of Fame basketball player who played for the San Antonio Spurs. My the two, two two real things. My I had a friend in grade school who had this long sleeve T-shirt that that <clears throat> it just on the elbows had a bullseye on the elbows and on the shirt, it said, David Robinson s- says, always use your elbows. <laughs> I don't know why it just sticks in my head, but also m- my dad growing up, h- him and his buddies had this basketball tournament. They would, they ran every year and it was called three on three over 30. So it was a three on three tournament. You had to be over 30 years old to play it. And they'd always make t-shirts for it. And I, I remember I had one that said like, this is going to date how old this this was the the t-shirt said on the back barkley jordan and robinson can't play in this game because they were all under 30 (laughs) nice yeah so all right well david if you're listening let's talk about the wallace line yeah so this is a line where in the pacific correct chris yeah 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 kind of just basically separates out australia but go ahead uh, finish finish the question all right so uh, i'm fascinated by the wallace line i've read about it i've never heard a good explanation regarding why it exists how it occurred and why the flora and fauna are so different thanks i'll give this a stab um and i'm sure this is a uh, you know, I didn't actually know what the Wallace line was until I, I read this question and I, I looked it up real fast, but I, I, I had known about this. I just never, you know, never knew of the term Wallace line, but basically what it is, it's, uh, it's kind of this, this line that, that basically separates out Australia from, from Asia. Good day. For our, yes, for our Australian hey, listeners. Hey, we have Australian listeners. There's. There's an Australian, Australian listener question yeah. <laughs> who appreciates every time I say good day. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, so quick answer. It's uh, tectonics. Um, you know, Australia's got some really weird life down there. Um, you're kind of really unique stuff in terms of uh, flora and fauna. And it's the, the leading theories is because it's just been tectonically separated from. Yeah, man. So it's been, it's it's been so in long. isolation for yeah. a long time. Yeah. So evolution's has been able to do its own thing down there and just. The, so the Wallace line goes through what's called the Sunda Strait, right? Which is where Australia separated Australia and New Guinea are separated from Indonesia, Sumatra. Um, yeah. So the idea that they've been separated, that's what we call divergent evolution right is that the yeah, term? yeah so it's just you know they, they have obviously some common ancestor but not only are they separated but they're isolated they're islands so plus i mean it takes a lot to survive on australia everything's trying to kill everything else so yeah some some reason it just became i don't know one big I don't the monkey knife fight down there with the animals, the flora and the fauna. Uh, Kangaroo that? knife fight. That's a Simpson re- reference right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Same with, same with uh, Papua New Guinea. Y- you have really incredible diversity in the flora and the fauna. 
um, I mean, your climate sort of makes it as such because you're it's very tropical. Um, I think it's rainforest for most of it, or some of it's high elevation forest, like cloud for I think maybe it's not that high, but you you just you create all of these biomes and just different organisms are adapting and 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 um and evolving madagascar is kind of similar as well yeah 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 you're right um yeah so crazy the upside down trees in madagascar yeah Yeah, what do they call about this in a pot on a podcast yeah that's definitely divergent yeah new new zealand is the same new zealand uh, um you definitely have the elevation there where you're getting the, the especially the flora is 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 pretty divergent but yeah you know the bird species and all all sorts of other things down there um where did you have uh, where did the what was the range of the dodo bird it was in madagascar i believe it was yes yeah the dodo bird yeah but david uh, you asked a question about biology and diversity in the Wallace line to a bunch of geologists. We're going to blame it on plate tectonics. It's plate tectonics. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like, yep. <laughs> tell you what, probably the rocks. I don't know. What exactly. You. Uh, just like uh, back in the day, we used to have a stump Jesse question. Like, how can you relate this back to geology? Well, the Wait, dodo bird died because of plate tectonics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that and overhunting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the early hunters probably used rocks to kill the dodo. Birds, <laughs> so. All right. So I, I, you know, again, I think it's we, just, as, I think it's as straightforward. It's just divergent evolution from plate tectonics. I believe so yeah, too. It's that simple. Yeah. Yeah. All right, All right, so our next glad, question glad is. Glad we from, solved that one. That's we're one for four now or something. No, no. We, <laughs> um, we gave joking. gave a good uh good old college try for each of them. All, All right. right. <laughs> yeah, so our so next Lynn. one is from Lynn from No, California. I'm assuming what? she meant Northern California. Is that like uh Jer- like did does California She's- separate themselves like Jersey? think so like you're oh, either yeah. from north yeah, jersey yeah. or south jersey oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah at first i thought this was because it, like in the form you, you can fill out on the website geologyflannelcast.com uh nice plug it says yeah it says where are you from and i thought at first they were like no not <laughs> no, answering no, that, that's, nope. that's exactly what i thought <laughs> yeah. how dare you tell nope. i'm not gonna tell you where and I'm then from, they're no. and then they're <laughs> like uh you know what uh california uh, change your heart change your heart. <laughs> <laughs> i'm one of 40 million <laughs> yeah. Uh, so one of the lens in the 40 million people of california uh our question is uh what is your favorite gemstone i found your podcast when i was searching for something to replace gem and mineral club meetings i used to go to stop by covid the club sometimes had geologists talk when <laughs> <laughs> Nothing more interesting could be found. That was Is that a, a joke. Bird? No, it's it a <laughs> joke. Actually, several club members work for the USGS. I was shocked when one of you seemed to have only a vague idea of what opals were. Please do something to rehabilitate gemstones, which are interesting 
minerals and rocks. So it's true. I, d- I don't give gemstones enough credit. Uh, no, it, it, like, it personally, I just it, know it's, I know. I can tell you right now, it's definitely not being taught like it used to be back in the back yeah. in the day. I, and it's I will, uh, I will make it my pledge to do better. There. Done. How? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I'll teach more about gemstones. I don't know. Facets. No, uh, you know. Uh, so I we have. By the way, opal is hydrated silica. Opal. I'm looking. I also looked it up really opal quick is, too. Opal is just beautiful. Too. It's really it's, pretty. It, it's, and it's so. It's it's kind of rare. It's like it only forms yeah. a very specific. I mean, obviously, most gemstones. So, all right, I'm going to go through it real quick since we have it. Um, and I don't know if this is like the official gemstone, but I'm going to go by birth month. So January, anybody? I don't know. Garnet. Darn it. Oh, oh. right. Uh, February. I don't know. Amethyst. <laughs> really? of, I, I know I one. Can't wait, I can't wait till it's Chris just being like, I don't know, for 12 times in a row here. <laughs> It'll be 11. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. March is I don't know. aquamarine. April diamond. There you go. <laughs> ah. I did. I didn't know. I, I knew January, February, April, and my my birth month is May. I know what that is. Anybody? I don't know. Emeralds. <laughs> uh, June is pearl. Pearl. I knew that one. Nice. Oh. July. Ruby. D- I don't think any of us just just name all right, all right. Of us August know. is peridot, which is a garnet, right? Uh, September is blue sapphire, which honestly is probably one of the most rare ones. Uh, October is opal. Blue saf- sapphire is on in the corundum family with ruby, correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, October, October, October also has. October is opal, but it also has pink tourmaline. There's two. Uh, there's two gemstones for October. Yeah. I did uh, not know that. November is citrine. Citrine. Okay. December is. Sorry. Do you need your reading glasses for this? Yeah, yeah, like, what's going on? Over there? <laughs> uh, December is blue zircon. Uh, tanzanite, which blue is kind of newish. Tanzanite's blue. Yeah. Tanzanite is a. Yeah, tan- the story of tanzanite is really interesting. Really interesting, and then turquoise. So yeah, all the all those you know are just essentially blue. By the way, by the way, I just wanted to, I just thought of this while we're talking about like well, gemstones and kind of linking it to minerals. Um, did you guys know going back to the uh, Franciscan complex from question number one? They mine cinnabar. Out of the Franciscan oh. complex. Oh, they're delicious. <laughs> if you eat too much of it, you might die. <laughs> yeah, both Cinnabar's Cinnabon or there. Cinnabar. That's yeah. <laughs> Cinnabar is our, our what is mercury. 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 Mercury sulfide. Yeah. Shoo, yeah. Yeah, you don't have to eat a lot of it. No, yeah. either one. I mean, I guess but either wonder, one will kill you. Because mercury, mercury is really bad when it's in gaseous form. When it's no, no matter what, mercury's bad for you. 
Well, it's what is mercury? I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's good for you, but uh, the worst is when it's a guess. Yes, okay. but you know, let's just leave. Okay, just yeah. stay away. Stay away from the cinnabar. Don't. Yeah. don't. <laughs> or cinnabon. I, All right. I just so, typed, I typed in here really quick, really quick, because I knew there's mercury like two versus mercury three. One is much worse in terms of how bad it is for you and i just typed in what is the bad mercury in google here real quick and it's all just uh astrology when is mercury in retrograde Uh, (laughs) bad mercury bad Bad mercury Mercury. (laughs) anyway so uh what all right so the question is what is your favorite gemstone well real fast about opal did you know that opal this is i i had it i when i just under google search with opal it's I had to click on what are the healing properties of opal. So we got uh, opal enhances cosmic concises, concisiveness. Yeah, um, I'll agree. I don't know what that means induces psychic and mystical visions. I, um, it stimulates origin, original, originality and originality and, and uh, creativity. Well, let's not let's let's stay positive. Let's not be silly about gemstones here. I no, I agree. I do yeah. rub my opal when I think about the Mothman, but <laughs> to, but I do want to keep this. Um, man, some of these are really. We talked about lapis laz la, laz lapis lapis lazuli. Lapis lazuli. Laz, laz, I, I say lazuli, uh, but used yeah. in uh, blue dyes. Very rich people back in the day. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, blue things from lapis lazuli. Yeah, antiquity. That's why blue and pur- purple from purple. the from Royal the shells. Tea. Yeah, yeah, mollusks. Yeah, is it is it an octopus dye or oct- yeah, the? I think I think that might have been the original source for purple dye was from an hmm. octopus. Yeah, I knew the they. Ink. Yeah. They, is that what, true? what do you that's do for right? a living? Yeah. I milk octopus. Well, that's why I was only <laughs> that's why I was only like the Roman royalty who would have purple. Yeah. Because they're the only ones who could get someone to milk an octopus. All right. So but uh, seriously, what's your favorite gemstone? I, think, I like I really like I mean, I'm just looking at some of these. They're really pretty. Like they're all I, pretty. I like pearl. I mean malachite we didn't talk about. Mm. Yeah snails oh the purples from the snails well snails are well, it's green well, malachite is green. i was in this i was talking about cephalopods it's a gastropod oh gastropod uh <clears throat> get a nice jasper a nice turquoise jasper yeah you know what i'm kind of a simple you know what? i like uh i think garnets are just really pretty they're they're pretty oh, garnets are pretty I like agree, a good man. old almondine like it's they're they're pretty common and I don't know. They're just cool to see them. I like seeing them in schists. You know, you see like, yeah. they're, like, a, they're like an almondine schist. And they're hardy. You, and they've yeah. been around for hundreds of millions of years. All right. Like if you're like, a, I know, like in, in Philadelphia, there's the Wissahickon Creek. And you can, if you just go, uh, you know, get a handful of sediment from the creek there, uh, besides from all the arsenic that's in there um, and uh, <laughs> all the other fun stuff. PCBs. And- yeah, PCBs. <laughs> that's what's right. <laughs> a, little, a little more modern. A little more modern, but um no, it's just cool to see those little little almondine balls. I d- yeah, in, when in you sediment. when you get a, a, sh- a piece of schist that has like uh, uh, some garnets that have beautiful faces on it. Oh boy, oh boy, nothing beats it. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like I bought my wife a diamond engagement ring, just like every other person is 
you know, pressured into, but I'm not going to go diamond. No, I wouldn't. Well, so here's the thing. Here's let's get beyond, you know, the, the, whatever we should do a show on how diamond became popular in the cartel and whatnot. Yeah. But getting beyond, we'll never get to beers to sponsor us that way. No, that's a good point. (laughs) Unless we say how it's a good thing. Ooh, because you're listening to beers. Yeah. We can go uh, either way on this. Yeah. <laughs> you play your cards right. You get some at free advertising here. Uh, well, no, not free. You got to send us some diamonds. Yeah. But there is there is something. A bag really, of diamonds. That's I'm not asking for much. But I mean, some of these like opal and tanzanite are so much more rare. Oh, my gosh. Than diamond. But that's not the point I, I want to make about diamonds uh one is their structure is really impressive the 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 structure of the carbon in its tetrahedrons that make it so strong so hard yeah they're super hard hard it's very brittle so you hit it with a hammer it'll break but if when you look at a raw diamond versus and this is part of like the gemstone is where you get a gem maker someone who can take that and just from polishing it and cutting it on the right planes can make it sparkle, you know, because they know the angles where the facets are. And that comes down to mineralogy about where, where to cut it versus, you know, you cut it in the wrong place. A A axis, B axis, C axis. There's actually uh, an interesting commercial from the sixties. It was like a Lincoln commercial about how smooth the ride was. And they had like a 20 carat diamond and they had a gemologist in the back seat cut the diamond while he was in the back seat of the car while they were driving through the city because it was so smooth. They could cut this 20 carat diamond without uh, messing it up. A gem cutter is called a lapidary lapid. Yes, because mm. of like lap lapidary mm. wheels. And- yeah, a diamond cutter is actually called a diamond tear. Ooh. which so you know i i do so my i have a cousin who who was a um a, a, i don't know what the gemologist gem you know he was a jeweler mm-hmm. but he understood how to cut these rocks yeah yeah a gemologist is correct like you know you have to go through class classes and and certifications and all yeah and he, stuff. yeah he knew he knew a lot about it and i sort of regret never like picking his brain about it and, and never having an actual conversation about our overlapping interests but i it's true like i don't think about gems i i think about you know, I, I sort of in my mind separate them from just geology. And, and, and no, part of that is in you get a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth because in like an intro class or or some lower level class, that's all people want to talk about is either the minerals in their cereal. Like, oh, when it says there's iron in my Cheerios, like, what does that mean? Like, no, that's not what we mean by mineralogy. Or, hey, let's just talk about diamonds. Like, okay, there's a lot more to geology than just mining diamonds or, you know, 
blood conflicts or you know whatever whatever you want to talk about you're gonna give us all diamonds no i'm not gonna give you a diamond diamonds i wouldn't be here if i had my bag of diamonds from de beers i would i don't know yeah if you're listening to beers (laughs) uh this could be our last podcast (laughs) you know what's a good one too which often is a gemstone amber Ooh. Yeah. Super light too. So, you know, if you're worried about the weight on your finger, ladies uh, or gentlemen, yeah. Get yourself I, an amber ring. Plus, it's got dino DNA. Yeah. <laughs> Jurassic Park taught us anything. Yeah. Which it doesn't because DNA degrades and it wouldn't last too Allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why they fill it in with frog DNA. I mean, and there was the the amber room. Um which was in i've been to that club (laughs) (laughs) so the amber room um was this room um in prussia it was it disappeared it was it was in one of these old royal palaces it was in it was in russia yeah it was either prussia or russia i think it was catherine the great so that would be Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And it disappeared during World War II. And no one knows where it was. This huge room where it was just like amble, amber panels and amber-backed mirrors. And it was supposed to be like this incredible, massive room of just so polished amber. And it just Amber can't dis- be a mineral. Oh, good point. But can it be a gemstone? It can, it be, can a be a gemstone, though. Do you have to be a mineral? What's the definition of gemstone versus mineral? I I thought gemstone was just, you know, it had to be pretty like opal's not a mineral, technically. Yeah, it just does not have a regular internal structure, buddy. Oh, the internal structure of okay, okay. It has to be a you know, precious or semi-precious stone, whatever. So I think it it just yeah, it's one of these things where it has aesthetic value, right? Right. It's pretty. People want it. I don't maybe um Maybe Lynn could tell us. You know. Yeah. Lynn, write us back. Thank you. Yeah. Nice. All right. Cool. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going. My favorite gemstone is probably garnet as well, which is terrible that we're, you know, all picking the same thing here. But, <laughs> um, sapphires are super pretty. Sapphires but, are more rare than diamonds. It's the rarest yes. of all the gemstones. Diamonds so. aren't most, actually, most think, sapphires come from meteorites. Really? I, I, I've read it once, so it has to be true. Yeah. I know Tanzanite. Tanzanite, Tanzanite is really rare, too. Yeah. That's crazy. Like uh, uh, that, you mine it and then you have to heat it in order to it's, make it pretty, right? Yeah. I, is it in? It's like only in. Tanzania. Yeah, in Tanzania. And there and there's only a, you know, they feel like there's only a finite amount. Like obviously there's yeah. a finite amount of everything, it's just, but it's it's one of those things where like I feel like the market they only sell it like on cruises. Come buy our Tanzanite jewelry. And not that I've ever been on a cruise, but I feel like that's when you hear about Tanzanite jewelry. <clears throat> I don't you know. You can buy it online. Yeah, you can buy anything online. Well, <laughs> all right so lynn uh there's our disappointing answer to your question <laughs> i don't think that's a disappointing answer. no i don't no, think so either, I know. But 
All right. So our next question is from Ryan. Who wants to tackle this one? I can tackle this one. All right. Ryan from New York, New York. Oh, city so nice. They named it twice. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't sleep. Um, but okay, here we go. Hey guys, exclamation mark. Very excited. I'm currently in the process of going back to school. Hang on. Still- pause. It's an exclamation point. What did he say? He said exclamation mark. No, it's both. Yeah, but what do you call it? I think I say exclamation point, but I've heard exclamation mark. Because you guess. can say, yeah, you're right. It's got a line and a point. You yeah. say question mark and then question you don't mark. Say question yeah, that's point. what I was just thinking. Uh, that's a good point. You don't say. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Where's uh, that dad joke number three? Who's keeping count? All right. What's anyway. the one where it's both in Terabang? Where it's what? a question and and uh, <laughs> anyway. Anyway, yeah, carry on. Ryan is currently in the process of going back to school. Uh, I've been studying environmental science. I'm almost finished my undergrad with the goal of then pursuing a master's in geology while working in environmental remediation. I've been catching up with your podcast and wondering if y'all had info about how geology is used in environmental remediation. Um, I really enjoy listening to the sh- to you all on the show. Thanks. Exclamation mark slash point. I'm going to um, let you both take this because... You both have experience with this. Well, Ryan, we could spend a whole, we could spend many, 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 many episodes of the geology flannel cast trying to answer the story uh, to make, let's just, I'll give the simple answer. Steve wants to piggyback off of this and, and, and uh, yeah, I'm sure he will, but <laughs> Thanks for that and bringing endorsement. I'm sure he will. He's got some. He's some always got opinion. something to say. You know, they say opinions are. You know what they're like. Um, everyone's got one. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, you, in order to remediate the environment, you have to know about the geology. All right. Uh, you have to. It's a lot. The majority of environmental remediation has to do with groundwater, groundwater contamination. You have to know how the groundwater is moving through the ground or, you know, what type of what's what's what type of subsurface conditions do you have? How fast is the groundwater moving? Groundwater is going to move faster in in, uh, you know, something like sand than it would um, like like hard rock or shale, perhaps. So. You have to you have to know all about that. You have to know uh, which which direction is your groundwater flowing in. If you have like say there's a leaky gas station, um, uh, and and uh, that the the gasoline goes it hits the groundwater. The groundwater is going to take it, and, and the groundwater most of the time flows flows downhill. So you have to basically have to know how to model, figure out which direction your groundwater is going to go. Um, you can also then you can also use that to figure out potentially where the contamination came from. There's been, uh, you know, legal cases like that. Um, and I guess, so this, it's a, this is, there's a, this is a huge answer or it's a huge topic, but basically you have to know a lot about what's going on underground to, in order to figure out how to, you know, how that groundwater is, is potentially moving this stuff around. And yeah. uh, that's my really short answer, but this is a, it's a, it's a huge, huge topic. No, I, I agree with everything that Chris said, but you also need to know 
what your contaminant is as well. So he gave the example of gasoline. That's a, what we call a floater, an L apple, a light non-aqueous phase liquid. So it's going to float on top of your groundwater. You can also have dense non-aqueous phase liquids or sinkers that are going to just keep going down until they hit something they can't go through. So things like bedrock, you know, it's going to go down and down and down and hit the bedrock. And then, and depending upon what your bedrock is, is it fractured bedrock? Is it solid bedrock? Are you hitting saprolite before the bedrock? So the geology of the area really does drive the remediation technique and what, what needs to be done to clean up what your contaminant is. So sometimes yeah, so like, yeah, like, like, uh, especially like for like in situ, yeah, right. Mediation stuff like you have to know the geologic conditions because what in situ does is is when the for whatever reason you just can't dig the stuff out. You have to inject chemicals into the ground to uh, what's what uh, to basically uh, turn that oxidize or, stuff or reduce into non-harmful or, yeah. stuff. Basically. Right. Yeah, you're 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 so, exacerbating that chemical reaction in order yeah. to make it into less harmful stuff. So isn't it like like for example like like uh, in New Jersey, southern New Jersey, like the the pine bar uh, the pine barrens, there's a lot of iron there. So certain because it had iron in the in the sands there, certain in situ remediation techniques won't work. Or is it is correct? Yeah, correct? no, you're right. Uh, like uh, permanganates and persulfates and things like that, and um, in you, you need to know what's going on in the ground at all. Like in order to have, um, we're kind of getting into the weeds here, but to have a good conceptual site model, basically what conceptually is going on at your site underground? Is it clay? Is it sand? Is it silt? Is it a mix? You know, where's bedrock? Where's groundwater? All that stuff. That's all geology. You need to know all that stuff. Now, granted, you might not think of it as traditional geology because it's like, sediment or soil or not necessarily just like rock however it's your subsurface environment and you need to know all that stuff that's going on you need to know hydrology you need to know darcy's law you need to know like you don't need to know specifically what what's the permeability of a smectitic clay but you need to know like hey clays don't pass through water fast sand does silts in between like you know you need to know what's going on in your subsurface environment and then you need to know what your contaminant is to know is it is it a forever chemical like pcbs or pfas like is it is it just going to be there forever and no matter what it comes in contact with like if a fish eats it then you know another fish eats that and another fish eats that and a bird eats that like you know is that bird going to die kind of things you know so all this comes back to the geology of the of the area of where the contaminant is so when it comes to environmental remediation are you going to be doing a ton of cross sections and uh uh nice measured sections of rock no it's 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 not going to happen often it it will happen but you know in my experience you get to do a cross section or a measured section once every like two years, if, if that, so, however, knowing the basics of geology, knowing the basis of soil mechanics, knowing the basics of just, you know, what is a clay, what is a silt, what is a sand and how does the water go through it? That that's, 
that's a huge part of environmental remediation. I also did a fair amount of geophysics too, when I was uh, yeah. working in environmental and you have to know, I did like a lot of like ground penetrating radar. So you have to know, you know, what type, what are your subsurface conditions in order to be able to interpret your radar data, stuff like that. Uh, we used uh, ground penetrating radar to look for gasoline tanks underground. Like it's crazy, but you, they sometimes they might have these 10,000 gallon tanks and they know it's on the property somewhere, but they don't, they lost the blueprints. You know, they lost all the, all that documentation. They don't know where it is. So they say, okay, there, there's a 10,000 gallon tank somewhere in this giant lot. Go ahead, find it. It's like, yeah. all right, cool. It was- Literally on Monday, th- there was this old gas station. They knew where the gas tanks were. They, they did the GPR. They found it. They did the GPR over the whole site. They found the old gas tanks, pulled them out. Like, okay, now they're turning into a car dealership. This is like months later. They, they're going through digging up the dirt so they can recreate it and everything. Boom. They find a 550-gallon used oil tank, like thick steel tank. Mm-hmm. GPR just didn't find it. So, you know. Play soil? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It also depends, like, because gasoline will suck up your radar signal, too. So if it is filled with gasoline, it's hard to see those things. No, nope. there's, there's a lot of... And this just happened that the, the tank was, you know, probably four feet deep and it was clay rich soil. They just didn't see it. So, yeah. you know, and the, hence why I was out outside on Monday. So that's why I love being a geologist. You get to go outside. So, yeah. So I, I you know, I hope that helps Ryan. Um, we could do a whole series of episodes on environmental remediation. Yeah. Uh, you know, but Jesse in terms of environmental remediation, <laughs> Not only is it geology, but it's uh, you, you have to know uh, you're going to, well, there's, there's obviously chemistry, organic chemistry that's involved with this stuff. I guess inorganic chemistry too. Um, yeah. There's metals involved. And, like yeah. if it's old gasoline, it's going to have a ton of lead in it, like, yeah. you know, all kinds of stuff. So engineering and then uh, physics, like geophysics, like you said. Yeah. So, so there's a lot, a lot of stuff involved with environmental remediation. Yeah. And Jesse knows all this stuff too. He's just being quiet because he knows we like to talk about it. (laughs) It's all very interesting. (laughs) He's he's still quiet. All right. Moving on. Um, All right. Steve, why don't you take this question? All right. Alexander from the great Salt Lake City, Utah, USA. Hey guys, I am a (laughs) Dirty, dirty rock liquor in Utah, and I just signed up to take the FG and PG tests in a few months. Good for you. God bless you. Good luck. You're taking them both in the same day. That's that's a that's a good tough day, but good for you. I had a tough time finding good study resources, so I was wondering if you experts had any suggestions on prep classes, study guides, etc. I took a practice test and did better than I expected, which I. 100% attribute to listening to your show. You should. You should attribute it to our show. Uh, and sharpening my rusty knowledge since I mostly do geotech stuff instead of real geology. Don't sell yourself short. Geotech stuff is geology. It's part of it. Uh, I, was, I was questioning your judgment when you called us experts, but you redeemed yourselves by saying <laughs> you attribute it all to us. All right. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, so, you know, they don't really sponsor the podcast, but uh, I did take a class from what's called reg review. Um, 
these uh, three women go travel around the country and do uh, reviews for the PG and FG exam. Uh, they, they had a very good comprehensive class. I, I want to say it was pricey, but it, it, I think it definitely helped that. Uh, so the, the prep classes or the prep tests that they have on the PG, the ASBOG, you know, uh, the associated board of geologists. Um, I feel like those questions were easier than the exam questions. So if you did well on those questions, don't let it become a false sense of security. Uh, the reg review classes that I took and their, their study guides were harder than the PG and FG exam, which would make sense because they want you to pass. So they're going to make it harder. So somewhere in between um, uh, is a good study guide. Honestly, a lot of it, knowing your, uh, the FG, especially the FG, the fundamentals of geology, you, you need to know that intro to geology book front and back, you know, th think about what your undergrad was in. Think about the, the, like, Oh, I had this like petrology class, but it was, you know, it was kind of weak. All right. Well, make sure you study petrology more. Or I had, I had a mineralogist, but all they talked about was diamonds. Okay. Well, maybe you need mineralogy. And then also the ASBOG, uh, they put out every year, they put out percentages of what the questions are. Like this year, it's going to be 20% hydrology, 30% economic geology, you know, uh, blah, 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 blah. So every year that those percentages change based on what the jobs are in the industry. So good kudos to ASBOG for changing those questions to reflect what the actual jobs are in the industry. Um, so look at those and figure out like, oh, shoot, this year it's 35% structural geology. Well, I better know my Sokotoa because I'm going to have to do some math and I'm going to have to figure things out. And um, when they say like you can bring colored pencils and protractors and a calculator, you better bet your butt. You better bring colored pencils, a protractor and a calculator because I definitely use all of them while, you know, there's three point problems. There's all, all different kinds, you know, and there's always a big problem at the end of both exams, the FG and the PG saying like, okay, here's your town in make believe Utah that has this, this, and the other thing. And, you know, this is here and this is here and this is here. And this is, you know, you, you're in charge of putting a concrete plant. Like, where would you put your concrete plant? It's like, holy cow. Like you have to figure out like 12 different things before you can answer that question. So uh, when it comes to the professional geologist exam, a lot of that is, uh, ethics. So you need to know, like, um, just a good rule of thumb is you are there to protect the public. You are not there to protect your client. You are not there to make everybody happy. You are there to protect the public. So if there's questions of like, you found like this awful, horrible thing on your site, but your client doesn't want you to do anything about it. You know, there's a, there's a good chance that you have an ethical obligation to report that to the board or report it to somebody. Um, and then uh, some of the other PG questions are just like, uh, they are experienced questions that, you know, 
I, I remember one, cause I had no experience in this was like, how thick of a cap on your landfill do you need? If your soil is, you know, a CH soil and your landfill is blah, 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 blah. And I remember being like, I've never dealt with a landfill in my life. I have no idea what this question is. So there, there are going to be questions like that where you're just like, I, I don't know. And it's okay. Just take your best guess. But at the same time, take those practice, practice exams. Um, you know, there, there, I remember being questions about like, if you have this index mineral, like what mineral are you going to mine for? And it was like some weird, obscure mineral that I've never heard of. I'm like, I don't know. So you just got to, you know test taking ability is also part of it. Like it's okay to say, I don't know, pick a good guess and just move on. Don't stress about it. Just carry on. So uh, don't get me wrong. I did not get a hundred on my FG or my PG, but you know, I did fairly good. I want to say, I don't know. I want to say, uh, you don't have to give the exact numbers. I'm I'm guessing. I want to say like, and 89 and an 87 or something like that. So like, you know, passing passing in Pennsylvania at the time was a 70. So I, I, I passed both. I didn't crush both, but I passed both. So um, those are the things I would suggest. uh, If you have a good class that you can take, especially if your employer is willing to pay for it, then, you know, take, take a class, do it. Um, Part of it also is, and I hated this, but honestly, study groups do work. Study groups, you know, because you can you can keep taking these practice exams and then you're not cheating yourself, but you can almost remember like what the answer is and then you take it and then you're fine. But then if you go to a study group and you actually talk these things through, then, then you might be like, oh, crap. All right. Well, maybe I don't know this as in-depth as I wanted to, like, you know make sure you can answer the question backwards and forwards, not just like one way, make sure if it's, if it's presented to you in a different direction, can you be able to deconvolute that and answer it? So that's, that's what I would say for Alexander in Salt Lake city. Um, You know, if you want, shoot us another email and I can answer specific questions, but um, taking the FG and the PG in the same day as a long day, it's eight, eight, nine hours, I think. So good luck. Um, I'm assuming you're taking it in October or this question is old and you took it in March. So either way, but good luck, buddy. All right. Um, what do you get? We're, uh, you want to do one more? Sure. Yeah. I think that'd be good. You guys pick one. Sorry. Did I take too long? My bad. It took forever. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I like Tyron's question, but I feel like we could devote more time to it. Yeah, Ty- should, yeah. Tyler from Arizona has a question on opinions on Appalachian and Oshida. how do we Oshida? So we'll we'll pass on that for now. But thank you, Tyler. We will get to it. We just need to devote more time because I uh, rambled on too long about the PG. I mean, Dan's got a question here about the active volcano in Iceland pretty straightforward right yeah that's a slam um, dunk yeah. yeah it like our earlier questions it's play tectonics <laughs> next <laughs> done thanks dan carry on uh well, well is it 
just play tectonic. I was just. Uh, wow. yeah, there's, there's a part that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Or is it a hot spot? Little column A, little column B. Yeah. Uh, that's the really cool thing about Iceland. Yes. Is it on the Mid Atlantic Ridge? Yes. And well, I guess there's a question for you guys. Is the hotspot preferentially going to the Mid Atlantic Ridge because it's just a path of least resistance? Well, we don't really know that much about why the hotspots are no, where they are. Yeah, no, but spots. like Hawaii has kind of been where it's been for 50 million years. Yeah. Iceland's been where it's been for a while, but it happens to be right on a ridge. Yeah. 11 million. I want to. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Is a chance is it, you know, and I, the, I, but I the ridge, an the ridge has been there for a lot longer Originally there for the hotspots yeah. been there. And that's, I think that's sort of the issue with hotspots is that, you know, why do they pop up when they pop up, where they pop up? Cause like, yeah, that's tricky. Yeah. It's like earth zits. Sometimes you just don't know. Actually, I guess you do know about zits or clock pores, but still, uh, so the question, um, current activity volcanic action in iceland is yeah because of the hot spot and the mid-atlantic ridge there it's just a a thin part of the crust when it comes to the mid-atlantic ridge and you have this additional input of hot uh lower mantle material that's coming up through the crust i would say the well okay so you do get volcanics associated with the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, but the majority of it, you get a different type of volcanics. Um, I would say the majority of Iceland would be more leaning towards the hot spot, especially with like the violent. I guess that I, I should, well, let, let, me, let me rephrase it. Not, all right. I don't want to dig myself into a hole here, but yeah, like the explosive stuff. Yeah. yeah because with Iceland, you do well, actually no, you do get some explosive volcanoes there yeah, in like, Iceland, uh, I, but you I also use, get like Ayuko Foco. Yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, Jesse, that's right. blew a bunch of yeah, Ayafelo Yoko. Thank you. Oh, we're gonna get email. I'm actually looking. I always butcher it. Volcano right now. Um, but that when that one erupted, it disrupted uh, air travel for a long time, like six weeks in Europe, and you know it, it was it was a big deal. Th- this latest one. Uh, yeah, and you have bigger like Hecla has erupted a few times in the past, which is heck yeah, devastated the island, causing famine and whatnot. So, um, yeah, this one is, is is dumping a lot of lava, but luckily it's not super explosive. <laughs> uh, Why is that funny? He <laughs> said, "I said Hecla, and you said heck yeah." <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was that dad joke number 100. 100, apparently. Oh, yeah. Uh, says, oh, um, man. Yeah, come this on. last volcano that's been that's been going off. Uh, I, we've talked on the podcast when it first erupted. People are having like parties at the base of this volcano. Oh, yeah. yeah. Flying drones over it and stuff. Flying and, drones yeah. over it. They were cooking burgers there and stuff. And just, I mean, like, it's it's become a tourist attraction. Yeah, yeah, my niece, my niece just went there. <laughs> really, like two days ago. Yeah, the one who didn't give you a mini fridge. Back? No, 
No, different, different she's things. dead to me. Uh, <laughs> she's throwing the mini fridge into the volcano. Yeah. It's a sacrifice. <laughs> sacrifice. <laughs> no, no. My niece is on a, a trip to Iceland, which I that's awesome. Rubbed in my Very wife's cool. face because where did I want to go on my honeymoon? Iceland. Mm. Where did you go on your honeymoon, Jesse? St. Lucia. Oh. Where did you go on vacation, Jesse? Iceland. There you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, we went, uh, the year after. But I, in St. Lucia, we did go to the volcano on the island. Nice. Um, I forget the name of it. Anyway. Yeah. I've been wanting to go to Iceland since, you know, since I was a little boy. <laughs> I've never been. So, uh, yeah. So short answer, play tectonics. Uh, long, long answer, hotspot and play tectonics. <laughs> Um, so sorry, Dan, it wasn't anything super sexy, but, uh, the, the fissure eruptions, um, I, that, that's, that is what it is, right? It's a fissure eruption. It's not like a true. Yeah. There's I, <laughs> eruptions. You can call yeah, it's an to, effusive, yeah, it's, the lava fountains. It's not, yeah, it's not a true fissure like you had on, um, uh, the Westman islands, uh, Jaime back in the seventies. Okay. Which is when you when you get the long linear sort of like I, they've, had them, they've had them on Iceland before though. Yeah. That's what we, that's a, yeah. The Westman islands is the Island South. It's, it's part of Iceland. Oh, okay. okay. And yeah, you get the, what that was. <laughs> yeah, you get the, <clears throat> the curtains of, of lava spraying out as like, um, like a long linear fountain of, of lava that I think this is just super effusive. Okay. But I tell you what, if we ever become a rock band, that we're gonna have that as our stage behind us, just a fountain of lava, yeah, just shooting up, spewing behind us. We'll just yeah, wonder- ruin every venue we go to. <laughs> we, we need some. Uh, do you have any do you have furnaces that get up to two thousand degrees? That's a, that's in our rider. And blue M and M's. Yeah, Van Halen is one of the the one colored M and M's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you know why they did that? Just to be jerks? No, not at all. Not at all. Because um, Eddie, uh, David Lee Roth has said this. Their stage set had gotten so like complicated, like the stuff they were building, and and they were afraid that if the the facility hosting them like like neglected like the instructions and stuff like that on how to put the stuff together that people in the band would die if it fell down so they put the m&m thing in the rider to make sure that they read through the entire contract ah uh, that's smart yeah yeah and or eccentric but yeah i'm gonna go with smart well, david lee roth is a pretty eccentric dude so <laughs> But anyways, that's why it was True. to make sure that the venue yeah. actually read the contract. That's pretty cool for the, for the set. Interesting stuff you learn here on the geology flannel cast. I'm telling they you, they actually did an episode of Freakonomics about it. Uh, nice, a couple of years ago, but, which is a podcast uh, you should only listen to after you've listened to all our episodes. Great pod, one of my favorite podcasts. My goodness. All right. Um, well, listen, guys. There's so many good questions, and we didn't get to all of them. Um, yes. Uh, so. Real quick, Aiden has a ton of questions. Elijah, Sarah, James, uh, Michaela. Michaela had two questions. What is the origin of the flannels? Oh, oh. 
Even... That's a deep dive right there. Yeah. Wait, the origin of why we call it the flannel cast or the origin of it the just says what general? is the origin of the flannels? Well, we just called it the geology flannel cast because we were going to record our first episode and we needed a name. And <laughs> I just figured we gotta do something like geologists wear flannels. I was just trying to think like what's the most, you know, uh who's a Randy Marsh from South Park? You know, I was just trying to like there you go. <laughs> Anyways, uh, uh, no. So we have a bunch of good questions. Like May asks, like, can you explain what a geological engineer does? Yeah, engineers like, uh, in geology. Sarah's Go question on. about carbon sequestration would be good. Yeah. So w- we will get to your questions. Uh, please keep them coming. We will. Uh, we will get to them. These are great questions. I love them. Yeah. But again, if you ask, uh, if you ask a question, uh, be specific. You know, and we will uh, try to address them. Yeah. If, you know, if it's a really in depth question, like about the volcano on Iceland, feel free to join our Patreon and support us to send us to Iceland so we can give you firsthand what's happening. Yes. And that's the only reason. Deep geologic investigation. Yeah. We're, get your answer. Yeah. We want to do this for you. Yeah. Uh, it's like, These it's like N- NPR sending out in international uh, correspondence. Yeah. Like they, they couldn't do that 50 years ago, but they can now because they got a lot of Patreons. <laughs> Is that that and, and congressional funding, but still. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it is listeners like me. I support my local NPR station. Had a boy. Yeah. There you go. Um, oh. Yeah, these are these are fantastic questions. Keep them coming. We'll try and do this a little more regularly so we stay on top of it. Yeah, true. Because it so, has been a while. Fell a little bit behind, but it happens to the best of us. Summer. Well, okay. So thanks everyone for listening to the Geology Flannel Cast. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us and. Uh, Let's see. Uh, if you if you'd like to help out the flannel cast, uh, we do have a Patreon site, uh, patreon.com slash geology flannel cast. We've got a couple different tiers of um, of membership there, of sponsorship. You can uh, uh, sponsors or Patreon tiers start as, as little as two dollars a month. Um, come hang out with us while before and while we're uh, recording these episodes, or you could. Um, different tiers you could even uh pick your own episode and we'll talk about it for the for the whole time so you can think more info on that at patreon.com slash geology final cast uh there's geology that's where you can submit your questions if you'd like like to uh, have us answered on the air we'll get to those uh so um and then also if you want to help out the podcast uh we have some merch for sale mugs t-shirts stickers all sorts of stuff like that oh, oh. Uh, that's make sure you let them know that the coffee mugs make your coffee takes 20 percent better 20 percent better if you buy a geology final cast coffee mug at least 20 percent better mm, so good so that's up there on the uh geology final cast.com and uh jesse does stuff with the instagram he just put a picture up supposedly the other day i, I don't know. yeah <laughs> check it out um, yeah d- now what do the kids call it? The gram or Insta? Insta. I don't know. 
No, it's Insta. That, I thought it was Insta, but I've heard it called the Gram too. Well, it's also some people call it the Gram, but all right, it's called Insta. Um, so we got that, and then there's the Facebook page, the Geology Podcast Facebook page. Steve tends to take charge of that one there. He's eventually, like, so. eventually, yes. Um, <laughs> we're terrible at social media. We're good at podcasting. Great at podcasting. So that's yeah. a good point. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll be back next week with another fun and exciting episode of the Geology Flannel Cast. See you Take later. Care. Bye. Thanks for stopping. Bye. <laughs>